This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Making IT Happens by Sims podcast. Um, I'm Andrew Henderson, uh, CEO of Sims International, and I'm going to be your host today uh, discussing the topic of sustainability. Um, I thought it would be appropriate to start with a quote from David Attenborough uh, when he was talking to the world leaders at COP26 about the climate crisis. And he said, in my lifetime, I've witnessed a terrible decline. In yours, you could witness a wonderful recovery. And really on that last note, um, I'm delighted to be joined uh, by three business partners of Sims, uh, Roger, Craig and Matthew. And I'm going to ask each of them just to introduce themselves uh, to the podcast. So, um, Roger, would you like to say a few words about yourself and, and Jigsaw? Morning, everybody. My name is Roger Whittle. I'm the founder and CEO of Jigsaw24. Uh, we're the UK's largest Apple reseller and uh, environmental enthusiasts to the core uh, with uh, hundreds of initiatives going on at the moment as we all try and move towards a better level of sustainability. So delighted to be joining you this morning. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Roger. And Craig, the same, please. Yes, morning, everybody. My name is Craig Campion. I'm the Director of IT Asset Disposal Services at Stone Group. Stone Group are a manufacturer and a reseller of IT hardware products and services. Um, my part of the business is for the end-of-life treatment of IT asset disposal and what happens with those items, and very excited to be on here to talk about the product's whole life cycle from start to finish. Thank you, Greg. And Matthew? Good morning, uh, uh, everybody, and thanks, Andrew. Um, I'm Matthew Morris. Um, I have a small business called STEM Sustainability. Uh, it's, in reality, it's just myself, but I'm a, a, an environmental and sustainability consultant um, working from Canterbury and Kent and uh, looking very closely at net zero 2050 at the moment and uh, the various things that feed into that. Well, thank you all and uh, we're, we're delighted to have you and thank you for your your time this morning. Maybe starting with, with Craig, do, do you want to outline some of the initiatives uh, that Stone are working on and particularly the area that you're responsible for? Yeah, so with IT Asset Disposal, um, Predominantly what we're doing is we're offering customers a chance to recycle all their old equipment. So when a customer goes and buys some new IT hardware, what Stone will do is they will collect their redundant IT hardware. They bring it back to their headquarters in Staffordshire. We data erase everything with a data erasure software called Blanco, which is the only data erasure software that the government approved once it's been wiped. You cannot get any data off that device. And then what we do with the equipment at that point of view is um, any working devices we look to put back into schools, charities, startup businesses, colleges to make sure that those devices are being reused to some sort of capacity. So Stone Group are accredited to zero landfill. We don't export anything outside the UK. So even when we get devices that aren't in a reusable condition, we work with partners, for example, that make the plastics into plastic bottles, as an example, and get reused from that capacity. So just to that kind of set the scene on um, like... IT recycling, like e-waste is the fastest growing waste stream in the world right now. And the UK is the second worst offender for exporting stuff abroad, which ultimately ends up going to 
things like landfill sites and stuff like that. And what Stone Group are doing is making sure those IT assets get reused within the UK and supporting organisations that need it where they might not need to necessarily buy a new device. A refurbished device is more than adequate for what they need. So in, in terms of like what we've done, um, last year we did over half a million units. 80% um, of them went back out to organisations to get reused. And this year we're forecasting to do over a million units as well. So it's um, it's great that um, organisations are getting more switched on in terms of like what they need to do from an e-waste perspective and wanting to see what happens to their items in the back end. And we're here there to support them from that point of view as well. Oh, um, thank you. Um... A million devices to, to, you know, to me sounds a huge number. Um, roughly, what sort of size team is is uh, have you had to invest in to handle that number? And looking further ahead, how, how, do you see that growing, doubling each year, or what, what, what's the what's the what's the plan? Yeah, definitely. When I um, took over this team six years ago, we had five salespeople within our team, and now we've got a team of thirty-five people. Um, within our operations team, we're now up to nearly 200 people working in our ITAT operations facility, which has just gone to a full 24-hour shift pattern as well across three shifts, which is um, absolutely brilliant because it allows us to put through, obviously, more items and process more items, which is what we all want. And we've just been uh, awarded onto the National University Framework as well as the preferred IT asset disposal partner um, for recycling for all the universities as well. So that throughput's continuing to increase all the time in terms of like what we can do as well. And I, you were telling me earlier, and I think it's, I think this is really important. Um, you can give great levels of comfort that say data that's on these machines, um, both how it's collected and and then uh, uh, straight to stone and and erased. Could you just give, expand a bit more on that? Yeah, exactly. When um, when customers come to get rid of their old equipment, security is paramount to them because essentially they're giving devices away that have got their own data on there. From a security perspective, they need to be using someone they can trust. So by using Stone Group, everything that we do, we do in-house and we do ourselves. There's no third-party involvement. We've got all the relevant accreditations and security levels that you'd expect from an IT asset disposal company. We're governed by ADISA, which is the badge that everyone looks for and when they're looking for a recycling partner as well. But in terms of like the way the process works, um, a customer books a collection um, using our Stone 360 app. They go on there, they book the collection. Our driver goes to the site to collect the items, so our driver turns up in a stone van. It's a very high security van, fitted with CCTV. All the drivers are DBS checked. They load the items onto the van. And there's a piece of paperwork the customer verifies that all the items have been counted, checked and verified before they're loaded onto the van. And all the items come back to stone the same working day. So there's no like parking overnight or anything from that respect. So from a security point of view, the customer's got that peace of mind. They know it's a stone employee picking those items up. They know they're coming back to Staffordshire on the same day. Once the items come back to stone, Anything that's data bearing goes straight into our bank Blanco data erasure part of the process. So anything with a hard drive will get um, plugged in. We attempt to wipe it. Um, if it's successful, then great, that'll be reflected on the paperwork. If it fails, what we do then is we attempt to wipe it for a second time. If that hard drive fails for a second time, we take the hard drive out and we destroy that hard drive on site and we record the serial number before it gets destroyed. So from the customer's point of view on the paperwork, when you're getting down to that granular detail of what's happened to each individual hard drive, It'll say, has it been data erased um, successfully or has it been destroyed? So the customer knows that all their items have been handled successfully, successfully from a compliance point of view, from a security point of view. What's even more important is what happens with the devices at the back end. And that's what customers are starting to ask a lot more now. Like when I first started this role, the two questions that I always used to get asked was, how are you going to handle my items from a data compliance point of view? 
And also, how much money am I going to get back for my old equipment in terms of rebates? What I get asked a lot now when I go um, do meetings, which are happening a lot more now, is what are you going to do with my data? How's that being handled? Which is still obviously very important. But also, customers are starting to ask what exactly is happening to my items at the back end because there's been some absolute horror stories where customers are recycling with organizations. And because Stone are quite unique in that we've got that sales arm of the business where we can sell back out to primary schools, we can sell back out to colleges. So if you think of a university PC that's five years old, the university's all excited because they've got their new devices coming. To a primary school that's down the road, that's only got one new device in that classroom where children have to take it in turns to learn on that device. What we can do with that university PC where the school's only been using it for basic word functionality, a bit of internet functionality, we can kit that entire classroom out for the cost of one new PC for them. And everybody in that chain benefits from that because the university at the start gets a rebate for that old equipment as well. The school is getting a whole entire classroom, so all the children get taken in turns to like, rather than taking it in turns to use those devices, they're all using those devices at one time because they've got a classroom full of equipment. And what we also do is we plant a tree for every collection that's done for the original organisation as well. For thank them. you. No, thank you, Craig. That's that, that's good. I, uh, I'd like now to move to uh, Roger. Uh, and uh, I think it's fair to say, Roger, you, uh, you're almost the unofficial spokesman um, on all things green in the channel. Uh, perhaps... Uh, It'd be good to understand, you know, where's your passion from and uh, what, what's uh, what's motivated you to speak out so um, brilliantly about, as I said, all things green. Well, thank you. Thank you for those kind words, which I, I don't think are deserved. Uh, I think we, we've all realised, haven't we, together over the last few years? I mean, I don't know what it was with me. It was, it might have been Greta starting to moan 2017, 18, but... Uh, the, the it happened very quickly though it was around then that time I can't remember the exact moment there wasn't an epiphany moment on the road to Damascus but I suddenly very very quickly over a few weeks realized that uh, we're in a terrible terrible mess and have since spent a lot of time on the sort of macro side of things uh, you know quickly realized what we had to do, we had to do a mountain of work at Jigsaw, uh, where we have got 330 employees. And, you know, you start off with the generalizations, like, you know, we all need to use less, share more, recycle, stop waste, source locally, and embrace new technology. And then it was a question for me of just working out the basics. Where are all the problems? What is this all about? in terms of just learning about the whole approach to life. So, you know, I'll put this whole category under evangelization. So where do the greenhouse gases come from? How many are there? What are the consequences? What does 1.5 degrees mean? All of these things which have started to become a lot more mainstream. And uh, at the same time, I, I, I moved to an electric vehicle myself. And then COP26 came along and you realise the true horror of the political shenanigans that go in, in the background. And then the Alok Sharma, uh, whatever your political views are, you know, literally in tears on the last day. But I think at that moment for us in Britain, it became mainstream because we were hosting the event. I'm not sure it had been mainstream before then, but electric vehicles, you know, in December, I think came to nearly 20% of new cars sold. So I think there has been an increasing 
realization you know across society that things have got to change rapidly and then the, the recent tragic events at, at ukraine may or may not let's hope they do serve at least one positive purpose in the horror of what's happening to make us realize that we all need to rapidly improve the way we generate our electricity so at work we we leaving the scopes and we'll come on to scopes one two and three i'm sure in due course but we focused on getting as many credentials and accreditations as we could uh, telling everybody all about it with YouTubes and videos and town hall meetings, improving our recycling internally, making sure our technology was the latest, greatest and greenest, looking at our internal transport at Jigsaw, looking of course at our buildings, which doesn't begin and end with insulation, but that's a big part of it. Our office procedures, you know, how to what degree our accounts and marketing say 100% digital the food and the drink that we have in the office. And now we've got oat milk in all the fridges and it's only fair trade coffee. Then we've worked out some e-trade partnerships for recycling and we've done salary sacrifice, uh, obviously we're moving to renewable energy, working with the Woodland Trust, uh, Viola on recycling. Where do we get our energy from? And then practical stuff in our warehouse. So we've, we've come up with a sort of jigsaw 24 tree, which is a, a rather strange tree because the things that we've done it, it, it's, a, it's a six foot tall sort of infographic design of a tree. Uh, and, and what's in the branches, and there are 11 branches now, of the, the categories I've just read out to you are things that we've done. And then in the roots are plans that we're going to have. And I agree, I'm aware this has no statutory greenhouse gas protocol uh, direct link whatsoever, but I wanted to make it real for everybody at work because only if it's real do you truly understand. So what we're aiming for is a strange looking tree whereby in the end there are no roots because there are no plans because we've done everything and therefore there are more tree uh, more branches because there are more things that we've done we've probably done about 150 initiatives now uh we've realized that jigsaw straight away having optimized the building and done so many things in so many areas that the next big challenges we face are with employee travel and with couriers uh, we've, we're 80% now with renewable energy. We've got to get to 100%. And then we're going to start maybe a little bit behind Craig on the customer propositions of things, but we thought we should get it all right ourselves internally first. Uh, and so we're working very, very hard in, on employees at the moment. And that's why we've recently signed up with Octopus EV for a salary sacrifice scheme. And we've now got about 12, 15% of our workforce have bought or leased their own electric vehicle in the last three or four months so that's really taken off far far better than we possibly could have thought so we're trying to make it real for everybody and just talk about it loads and loads and loads that's what's really what we've been doing well thank you roger um matthew um roger mentioned um scope one and two um it would be good if you could just uh uh, uh inform everybody what, what that actually means and then linking it into the work that you've been doing um, with Sims. It's, it's so good to hear what Craig was saying because, you know, you think about these products that are being retailed by, you know, uh, Jigsaw and, and Sims and what have you. And obviously they're manufactured somewhere, transported into this country, retailed or wholesaled and, and then used. And then at some point in, in the future, they end, they hopefully end up with a company that, you know, such as the one that Craig helps run because, you know, that is the product life cycle in, in a nutshell. And uh, I do think that this country has created some quite strong 
regulation around waste, but sadly, it has been, um, how would you say, um, gained slightly, is that the right term, Craig, where I think some businesses have relied far too much on exporting uh, waste of all types, in particular e-waste. And I know that China, about two or three years ago, wrote to the WTO and said, we, we will no longer accept plastic waste from these countries. And I think Malaysia did the same. So you can start to see that countries have become very upset and um, you know disenfranchised about the uh, you know, waste coming from the West and uh, quite rightly so. So I think Craig's in the right place at the right time because we are going to have to deal much more so with, our, with the waste that we generate ourselves and uh, this ability or this opportunity to export is, is sort of starting to, to go away. I mean it's the same with metal recycling. I mean metals are uh, a, a really obvious product or material that can be very, very recycled very easily and, and hardly any of that get, well, it does get exported, but it also gets used in this country and maybe in uh, in Western Europe in the near continent. Um, and then it's so good to hear what Roger just said, because, you know, 150 initiatives in and you're already starting to make an impact. So presumably, Roger, you're measuring your carbon footprint regularly and and maybe possibly starting to uh i think you said you had an 80 percent renewable generation now so what 80 percent of your energy use is being met by on-site renewables is that what you meant no we we generate 80 percent of the electricity that we buy comes from renewable sources oh i see okay yeah uh, yes but you see you can see uh, within within uh, business asking, sorry, sorry roger you, you Within business, you know, obviously, if every business in UK PLC was 150 initiatives into this topic, uh, we we would be in a very very strong position. I I I imagine that many businesses are have, many businesses have done absolutely nothing. But um, you know, it's so good to hear that Craig's tackling the waste and Roger's tackling the sort of operational emissions and. You know, these are the things that net zero really needs. And then coming back to Angie's question, well, there are three scopes in a standard sort of um, carbon footprint. Scope one are fossil fuels that are combusted. So diesel, petrol, oil, LPG, uh, biodiesel, um, wood fuels, anything like that is a, is a scope one emission. There are technicalities around biodiesel and biofuels, but you know, essentially they're scope one emissions, anything that can be combusted. Scope two for most businesses is electricity, grid electricity, but it can include um, the purchases and use of heat or steam. So some, you know, breweries, for example, hospitals, um, you know, processing industries can also use a lot of heat and steam as well. And that can be purchased from a from a grid or a network. Uh, and those two um, scopes, scope one and two, are sometimes called operational emissions. So those are the emissions that a business has the direct control over. So when Rogers, you know, you talked about 150 initiatives, those are really tackling, probably primarily tackling your scope one and two emissions. And then scope three emissions is um, is everything in, in emissions associated with supply chains, whether they're your upstream supply chain, so your products and services coming in, or your downstream, so that's your products or your your waste and what have you going out of the business. And that's very difficult. Those are indirect emissions that you have um, only have some control over. 
uh, and they can often be quite hard to, to measure. So those three things together, Andrew, are, uh, are what constitutes a, a standard carbon footprint. And, and just sort of briefly, it would be great if you could share what, what we've been doing here at SIMS, uh, certainly around scope one and two, um, and the work that we've been doing with yourself. So we, we so when we met, um, we, we discussed, you know, Net Zero 2015. I think that was, you know, COP26 was sort of happening um, and uh, Net Zero 2050 was uh, becoming a, a relatively, you know, a, a much more commonly discussed uh, um, policy in this country. So Andrew asked me to, to look at the first footprint for SIMS, which is what we've called the baseline carbon footprint. Um, so we've measured uh, as much as we can using the, the data that was available. Uh, we've had to make one or two minor estimates for a few things, but essentially we've, we've endeavoured to capture as much as the greenhouse gas emissions from SIMS. Um, and we have produced uh, now, to date, we've produced three carbon footprints. So we're pretty much up to date. Um, we now have three years worth of carbon emission data. Um, we have a set of metrics that we're tracking over time and we now have, uh, SIMS has a carbon reduction strategy um, and we are implementing the first annual action plan uh, that looks to tackle primarily scope one and two emissions. So for example, we've just written a brief for the business uh, in Kent to look at the adoption of renewable energy, for example. Um, that might go on to things like the use of heat pumps and battery storage. Um, we've Andrew's been discussing with staff about the use or the adoption of electric vehicles. I think there, did you say, Andrew, there are two electric vehicles in the fleet already? I'm very proud to drive around in an electric green Mini. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're a subject that we, we, a van can do that has got the... Uh, 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 capacity to do the miles, we're, we're hopefully going to have a, an electric van, which will bring probably about 80% of our products into Sims and uh, from our suppliers. And like Roger, perhaps not the same uptake, uh, we're, we're also offering the uh, salary sacrifice scheme to encourage uh, uh, colleagues to, to consider electric and certainly we'll be uh, uh, putting more EV charge points at sims uh, in the next uh, next quarter so uh, uh, so it's not quite as glamorous as roger's electric avenue which uh, i don't know how many how many charge points do you got roger it's uh, in nottingham we've got two at the moment and we're about to get our third and our fourth uh we've got an old lift shaft we're covering up which will improve our insulation it's the last bit we need to do to optimize the building and that will create two more spaces we've got another office where we're looking to build some as well so, uh, but they're getting fuller and fuller. We're going to have to start discussing etiquette now, which is great. That's what you want there. I mean, at the start, it was just me. So I could fill it up anytime I want or charge up. Now we're going to have to start to get to a point where we, we, we'll be prioritised those who've commuted in longer distances. And, and that's what we want. It's, uh, it's fantastic to see. And Craig, is, real... is there anything at uh, Stone regarding EV? Or is that something you're looking at? Or do you have already in place? Yeah, definitely. So I chair our um, sustainability team at Stone and uh, very similar initiatives to what Matt and Roger and uh, yourself were saying there. Um, also I've got an electric vehicle myself where I've got four charging ports at Stone and we're, we're currently looking at the uh, the electric vehicle on the vans and um, trucks as well, but a bit similar to what you were saying, Andrew. Um, obviously, like with the distance, it's difficult to um, 
Like the technology is just, just not quite there at the moment, which is frustrating in itself. But we're quite lucky in the respect that we supply equipment and take equipment back. So if we're doing a collection in Leeds, for example, what we will do is we'll do a delivery in Leeds at the same time. So there's never a wasted leg of a journey from either point of view. So that whole sustainability journey, uh, journey from a customer point of view starts straight away. And I think um, I think for all of our organisations, the commuters are, uh, creates a big footprint. And it would appear that we're all collectively in our own ways uh, taking action there, and I, I think the uh, the sacrifice scheme with EV points is is a, is a, is a good way. So, um, going back to Mr. Attenborough, are we going to witness a wonderful recovery? At least we're we're trying to contribute to that. Um, uh, Roger, uh, you you gave gave me a wonderful um, uh, stat about what we could actually get from the sun. Would you like to share that with, with our listeners? It, it, it's quite frightening. Uh, <clears throat> if you think about the entire world's energy needs for a full year, uh, you know, terawatts, uh, it's huge. The entire world's energy needs for a full year. The sun generates that every hour. This thermonuclear device, which wakes up in the morning always works, it's never ill, it's always there, it always delivers. And the problem is at our end, we're not harnessing that power. And that's just solar. And if you did that, I mean, we need to become 0.1% efficient. If we could harness 0.1% of the sun's energy, that is to say, like I said, enough power for a year is generated every hour. We wouldn't need any wind, we wouldn't need anything else. So. It just shows what can be done and the technology that's starting to come through double sided solar panels, solar panels that work better almost when it's getting darker, uh, solar panels that work in, in better in cloudier weather. Soon we'll have some element of uh, uh, photovoltaic cells within windows. Think about blocks of flats and so on. Think about Hong Kong or somewhere with uh, high rise buildings. So technology is going to play a, a huge role. but. This is where humanity needs to try and get a balance because just because technology is going to play a great role doesn't mean that we shouldn't change our behavior because we've all got to change our behavior. This runs at an industry, at an individual, in a family, in a community level. It works at a company or organizational level, you know, a sector or industry level. And then by nation, uh, you know, we've all got to get on with it. So pick, picking uh, up on that, um, uh, Roger, on the, we, we are, the three businesses are very much in the IT industry. Um, I'll be really interested, starting with Craig, do you think as a collective, uh, uh, the IT industry is doing a, a good job or do you think there's, I mean, clearly there's always more to do. What, what's your feeling about the industry we work in? My view on it is that, um, and it may be a bit different to um, other people on the call because I'm seeing it from a different side really, but... I think in the UK, I think we're always, there's a requirement to be seen to have the latest stuff a lot of the time in the UK. People want to buy new devices all the time, even at home. It always has to be the latest device that we have to buy. And um, like, it takes a lot of like resource um, to manufacture a new device. Like for a typical PC, you're talking over one and a half tons of water, 21 kg of chemicals, over 240 kg of fossil fuels going into manufacturing one piece of equipment. That's before You've even got it to the UK because most of the time these items and all the parts that make a computer are manufactured in other countries and getting it over. And you look at the car industry, 
like when you buy a new car, it tends to have another three or four owners once you've brought a car. You don't like have a car and then it ends up being deported to another country. And I think we need to get a bit more savvy within the UK about using refurbished equipment a lot more. Like my laptop in front of me is five years old, more than adequate for what I need to use it for. And I think a lot of the time, if people just had a bit of a think about what they're using, like could an eighth or ninth gen laptop do the job that they're doing rather than having to go out there and buy new every single time, would certainly have a massive impact in terms of like all these things that are going on in other countries where they're manufacturing these devices. And I think it's something that we all need to like get a bit smarter on and say like all these things that we're all talking about, they do all link to each other in particular ways. And um, it's just like one big, one big conversation about, it's more of an educational piece to people really, making them aware of it. And um, that's why this conversation is brilliant and not hearing all these exciting things that are going on within the different businesses because ultimately we all want the same thing. We might be seeing it from different like points of views in like different parts of like the IT elements, but it's um, it's really interesting how it like all comes together. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, and Roger, your, your, your view, uh, clearly I'm sure many of our listeners would have, would have uh, read or heard you. What's your view on on how we uh, in the IT community are uh, are dealing with the crisis, as Mr. Attenborough would say. Uh, well, I think CRN, and I'm not saying they're the industry standard, but I think they are very well respected as probably probably the industry standard in terms of uh, you know channel reseller news, the the uh, what is now a daily email. It used to be a newsletter, of course. Uh, but they, they've held the, the Tech Impact Awards for the first time last year, which were obviously and necessarily held uh, remotely. Uh, that partly came out of COVID, I think, and, and, and an increasing sense of what should be done. And I think they have helped show the way. And I think the innate, natural, competitive nature of the IT sector, which is one of the things that you know makes it such a joyous place to work, I think has helped too. And if there is a fight or a battle or a, a, a contest for getting the right accreditations, just as there might have been a few years ago for getting the first gender pay gap report out, uh, then you know if we need to channel each other's competitive instincts to achieve a noble aim, then, then that's fine by me. Uh, whatever the excuse is, be it reputational gain, ego, competitiveness, financial gain, carrot or stick, then we're moving on towards things like carbon taxation. My view is throw it all in, whatever it takes, we've got to get there. You've just used the phrase, Rob, and you're correct. If there is an emergency out there, it is an emergency. And we have all got to work incredibly hard, uh, not only to get to uh, 2050, but to try and be along the path by 2030. Or it's going to be dreadful. Yeah, and so uh, Matthew, um, you've obviously got the benefit of working with a number of organisations um, outside the IT industry, um, but, but clearly with Sims um, within the IT industry. What's your What's your view as an industry? How we're doing? Well, I mean, I'm. I guess when I've got to know your business Andrew I mean it's it's um it, it's it's a well typically for the IT sector it's a very sort of clean sort of business um efficiently run you know there's it, I mean the carbon emissions are the scope one and two emissions are very modest 
And I suspect for a business of your scale, it was roughly sort of 30, 30, 35 staff, something like that. I mean, they are yeah, quite have, modest. Yeah, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30 people. Yeah, the emissions are, are quite modest. Um, you know, the metrics, um, you know, you're a small business, relatively speaking, I guess. Um, um, if you compare yourself, I think we ch- I tried to do some basic benchmarking in our in the first report I did for you. And I think, you know, n- sustainability carbon metric information is notoriously hard to find on the web. And even when you do find it, you, you have to sort of you know, raise your eyebrow, Brit, and, and sort of, you know, critique it and make sure you're actually looking at something that's credible. But the benchmarks I could find suggested that you're, you're you know, you're definitely below average. Um, I mean, I didn't have many data points, and I think we'll we'll look to improve that as we go on. But I think it's uh, a quite a, a clean business in that sense. But of course, you're you're all exposed to the use of fossil fuels. Even clean grid electricity has a carbon footprint. Um, you're all using um, diesel and petrol directly or indirectly, and you're all very reliant on on transport to get these products moving around within the UK, and and obviously they have to come into the country in the first place most of the time. So, and, and that your sense, your thoughts, Matthew, on as a a collective, do you think uh, the IT industry on the whole, when you compare it to other businesses that you work outside IT? Well, I was going to, yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, I mean, that other companies are, are in exactly the same position, Andrew. Um, all businesses that are moving product around um, and to a lesser extent services are very, very exposed to fossil fuels. And this is what Net Zero 2050 says, you know, you have to have, it's looking for a significant and rapid re- reduction in the use of fossil fuels. I mean, sadly, the COVID experience has suddenly and urgently required all businesses to work in a very different way and you know the carbon footprints that predate covid uh for the relevant emissions will be much much lower and i'm beginning to see that businesses some of my clients are considering uh very much hybrid working they are considering uh, not releasing buildings they're they're considering selling property um, so they are, you know, already done all the basic things like fair trade, tea and coffee and that kind of stuff. But they're now looking to much more fundamental changes in the way they operate their businesses. And it's very good to see, actually. Uh, I'm not saying all businesses are responding in exactly the same way, but I am surprised about the type of business and the type of business people who are now starting to pay attention to this topic and it has taken people like David Attenborough and, and Greta Thunberg to do this. I mean, I, I've i been working in this sector for quite a long time, and it's only really since Greta Thunberg started her strike, uh, her school strike, uh, was it called St- uh, Strike for Climate, School Strike for Climate, uh, that actually people have really started to, take, to, to pay proper attention to this. And I think it's been supported. I mean, what's helped in this country is that we've actually got some very forward looking, very stringent, very uh, innovative policies around energy uh, in this country. I mean, the banning of diesel and petrol vehicles by 2030 or thereabouts or 2035. Our grid electricity has already been decarbonised. We've decoupled carbon emissions from GDP and so on and so, so forth. I mean, businesses can still thrive and prosper under net zero 50. Without, you know, you don't have to destroy your business model to, 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 to take on net zero into your business. It's a very, very doable 
a thing net zero 2050 and everything that Roger and Craig has mentioned so far is within net zero 2050 whether you knew it or not it's there I couldn't agree more I think for us it's been for Jigsaw 24 it's been something fantastic to bond people together and to uh, connect people emotionally with what we're trying to do a sense of bold mission and purpose that aligns with our values we've now just brought out Jigsaw's first Jigsaw 24's first social impact report, when we talk about the environment, but not only that, and sustainability, we're talking about well-being, diversity, inclusion, charity and charitable giving. But I think what this has also done is made us all realise the key importance of cutting out waste and getting clarity of thought. I think that's so important too. Uh, for me, one of the big things, as well as people like Greta Thunberg and, and, and David Attenborough, and, and then the COP26 publicity, it's about making it real. And I think what's what we've tried to do at work with our Jigsaw 24 tree, you've got to make it real. I'm not a particular fan about McDonald's, but I talk about McDonald's a lot more now because of them at plant. And I know it's not perfect. And there may be a greenwashing element. And one thinks, well, classic American corporation, why should we trust them? But it is recognized by the vegan society. But a lot of people go to McDonald's. And so I've talked about that. And then the fact that now we've all, we can all see, we all, everybody knows somebody who's got an electric vehicle. I couldn't have made that statement even one year ago. So suddenly it is real. And, you know, the McDonald's may be a silly example, but we, we've talked to people at work and said, look, this is what you need to do. You need to download the Paw Print app. And the Paw Print app, P-A-W-P-R-I-N-T, isn't a perfect carbon tracker, but it gives you a rough idea. Think about what you're doing at home. Think about insulation, going cashless, use Apple Pay, green energy, eco cleaning products, LED bulbs. Think about travel. Can you use more public transport, cycling, uh, diet? Well, you might not want to become a vegan. That word may put you off, but try and be vegetarian or try just one meal a week to eat less meat. Just eat less meat and try oat milk because it doesn't split with hot drinks. People think, oh, well, that's going to taste funny. No, it doesn't. It's fine. And so at home, traveling with diet, if you can just try and do a few things and talk to other people. And we've got this sense of sort of collegiate commitment now, which is quite infectious because I think hope is infectious. And I think it's very, very important to do all these things, as well as all the accreditations and the data, which, of course, need to be responsibly followed. Uh, thank you, and I absolutely well said, Roger. I, I totally agree. I think uh, perhaps it would be good for our listeners to hear um, outside work what individually we are doing or how we live our lives and what changes we've made. So um, really putting you on the spot, Craig, uh, away from Stone, is there anything you'd like to share uh, with our listeners about what happens at home with you and uh, green initiatives that you might uh, have in place or thinking of putting in place? Yeah, um, as we said earlier, like obviously I went to an electric vehicle for the first time in October last year and um, I, I absolutely love the vehicle, um, to be honest, compared to like what it was and like the ease of using it and um, like the functionality of how easy it is to charge those vehicles now is absolutely fantastic. But like, what I love about like the home life at the moment is like my children are so educated through school now um, in terms of like they raise questions about like um, what things go in what wheelie bins and that sort of stuff and they're really so into sustainability it, 
so much more so than when I was at school. Like, we didn't really understand it when we were at school, but that's part and parcel of what they live and breathe now. There's so many questions being asked. Like, when I do an interview now, one of the questions that you always get asked is, like, what's Stone doing from a sustainability point of view? People want to know these things before they they leave now, and um, that does impact on your home life in terms of, like, what you do, exactly what Roger was saying with the meat side of things there as well. Like, as a family, that's something that we try to do couple of times a week as like a limit like what we're eating from that side of things because you know it's making a big difference and that word that roger said as well purpose like that having that purpose and believe that you're doing something good it reflects well on your personal life but then on your outer family your friends when you're talking about it like you seem to be talking about these subjects so much more outside of work and inside of work at the moment yeah 100 agree um and matthew from your side um uh well, yes, I, I I gave up my trusty twenty year old uh, petrol car a couple of year ago, years ago. Well, we actually, sort of sold both our petrol cars and bought one uh, EV, which we absolutely love. Um, that's been a a, a great um, a great change. Um, not without its, you know, it is a costly purchase, but um, the running costs are incredibly low, particularly when you couple them with a, a cheap overnight charging tariff such as those provided by you know, companies like Octopus Energy, for example. So very, very exciting sort of product to get to grips with. Um, I live in a well-insulated, well-draft-proofed house. Um, I cycle and walk as much as I can. Um, I'm a near-perfect vegetarian, uh, not most of the time. Uh, but um, do you have um, oat milk in your coffee? Um, not always, I'm afraid to say. Um, uh, certainly, I think we, we dabbled with almond milk originally, but of course, you know, almonds are a fairly water-intensive crop. But certainly, we, we try and buy uh, local food, fruit and vegetables as much as we can. And um, what else? Um, oh, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a fixer-upper, so I, I uh, try and mend things as much as I can. Lots of recycling um yeah so generally just try and uh, purchase kind of very without being without using the word frugal which sounds a bit boring I, I don't try and uh, buy everything that I absolutely want but uh, focus those purchases on the things I actually need but um yeah far from perfect but probably a lot better than I was a couple of years ago and um, Roger um I, I... I, I, won't, I won't repeat what the others have said, but I've, I've gone to an eco-tariff and obviously it's very difficult for people this year. And, you know, I think we all need to show great empathy because sometimes people are not in a position to buy an EV uh, and, and some people are in a position because, because, as Matt has just said, the initial purchase is high. So I've always said to people, you know, you're not failing, you're not becoming a vegan. You know, I'm not a vegan, I'm not even a vegetarian, but I definitely, definitely eat less meat. Uh, uh, I try and get to some eco charities every month we're using compostable bin bags at work i'm just reading from my list that stuff that hasn't been repeated so far trying to do cashless i've tried to cut out cash completely we had a chance recently to replace our oven at home so i replaced the gas oven with electric uh we were going to buy a christmas tree this year we didn't well we did we got a, we got a plastic one and that's it now forever uh we got it, the best eco one we could find that was artificial but we're never going to buy another christmas tree I've moved my pension scheme to uh, a sustainable fund. We use Ecova, uh, dishwasher tablets and so on. Uh, yeah, EV cars. So just trying to do everything and insulation. I mean, that's the, the obvious thing, isn't it? To try and cut out waste wherever possible because it's an obvious point to make. 
we've got a colleague who works in our warehouse, our warehouse manager, and he's got a well-insulated property. And he says, if I cook a Sunday roast, what I sometimes try and do is uh, open the fridge, open the oven afterwards, leave it, and then all the heat comes in. And he says, you know, it gets absorbed into the system he's got in his house and it ends up heating the house for some of the week. It sounds a bit crazy, but uh, wasted, wait, any wasted energy just seems such a shame. So we've got to try and harness that with, with, with common sense. We've got to grow your own veg competition at work as well. That's gone down really well. I think uh, appliances, so Roger, uh, when you mentioned appliances, I mean, I, that's a really, really good one. I mean, I replaced... Um, an oven a couple of years ago during one of my early lockdown projects and uh we took an oven out and put a new one in and it went from seven and a half kilowatts to about four and a half and it does exactly the same you know it is no different in terms of its performance we got rid of three across the house and the shed we got rid of th three fridges and, and and went down to one so i think actually replacing appliances in households if you've not done it for a few years you can get some significant improvements just from fridges and freezers and, and, and basic appliances which really surprised me actually and the same goes in businesses I mean one of my clients I, I won't mention their name but um, the number of uh, fridges uh, and, and toasters and kettles around their business is is, is horrifying and um, you know they're all they're all of various ages so the use of appliances in workplaces is, is, is can sometimes be overlooked I think the big things are generating electricity which to some degree is what the government have got to get on with. And hopefully uh, the tragic events in Ukraine have, have given them a kick up the arse to get moving on that more quickly, because this is a war. And, and I heard a quote at the weekend that if we could have got uh, the, the vaccines organised in, in just over a year for, for COVID, then we need to start accelerating the use of wind. But the other big things are for us as an industry, which you talked about earlier on, Andrew, uh, is getting the couriers to move because as uh, to, to, to electric to EVs, because as Craig said earlier, too many products sold in the IT sector already are manufactured overseas. But then we add insult to injury by transporting them with diesel, dirty diesel fueled vehicles up and down the country. That, that's really important. And employee travel, that's one we've really pushed on with staff at work here at Jigsaw. So how do you get to work? Can you, can you walk? Can you jog? Can you cycle? Can you car share? Can you use public transport? Can you use an EV? Uh, try and do anything other than travel on your own in an internal combustion engine car. So we've given out interest-free loans for season tickets for public transport as well. And we're re-pushing the thing that Gordon Brown launched a million years ago, which was salary sacrifice on bikes. You know, bikes are really quite attractive now. They're, they're becoming high tech. So we're having another push on that to see if we can get more people riding bikes to work. There's so many things that can be done. Okay. Um, one very last, last question. Um, if the four of us were having dinner and there was a fifth place available at the table, these are both great people, but I'd be interested, who would you have, Greta or David? Roger. I'd have Greta being blunt because she's younger. Uh, David would be a sense of indulgence and enjoyment uh, to listen to him. Uh, but Greta, because uh, one of her phrases I liked, because we, we've got to be pragmatic and sensible about this, but we've also got to be angry 
And she once said, I want you to feel the panic I feel. I want you to feel the fear. And we need to be angry as well as pragmatic. And I think she's got the energy to hopefully play a leading role in the years to come. So Greta for me. Great. It's a very difficult question, Andrew. That is, um, I think I'd, I'd go with David. Um, personally, I, I just think um, they've obviously both seen so much out there. But as Roger said, like his way of words and to be able to like listen to him, I think he could talk for the whole dinner and just be in awe the whole time of like some of the things that he's got to say. So I'd go with David. Uh, Matthew? Well, I think we could... We could. Im- Who's most likely to turn up? <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon Greta would probably say, that's a very... Thank you for the invitation, but I, I, I won't make an unnecessary journey. So, um, yeah, I'd go, I'd go David, I think, uh, just for personal uh, amusement alone. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, David probably wouldn't turn up either, to be honest. We, we need a reserve. We need a reserve. Um, gentlemen, oh, um, Elon Musk reserve. We're, we're so grateful for your time. Um, and I think it would be appropriate, I'm sure I speak for all of us, uh, uh, Ukraine was mentioned a couple of times in the podcast. And I think it's uh, um, absolutely right to, to, to say all our thoughts are with those brave, brave people in Ukraine. And uh, we certainly wish them well. But uh, I'd like to thank you and wish you all well and and hope that uh, some of the insights both in our business and personal lives um, around sustainability, um, people have enjoyed and uh, uh, many thanks to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Andrew.